coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I speak with the managing editor of a media juggernaut, review the Blackbeard, and shoot the shit about documentaries. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. If you like the content we're creating, we'd appreciate it if you'd head over to podcast, Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review as well as a comment. And as always, before I start this show and get things cooking, I got to acknowledge the big man across the table, my co-host, Big Keith. Keith, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, Mike. You know, I've had a couple requests for you to bring back the sizzle to your steak. <laughs> Well, I, I could. You, you, do you want a new one every week? Is that a... Oh, that would be really good. Could you think you could pull that off? I think I did it for like... You I did, did it for a few. I did for like six episodes. And yeah. then I just felt like, I don't know, I feel like this is getting like an old like old shtick. Well, I, listen, people might think it's an old shtick, but I love it. So you can continue to do it. But uh, <laughs> I, I did want to start real quick before we move too far along. Last, uh, last episode, I had uh, promised that I would give the name of the company that I bought those new firing pins for my Browning and I forgot. So I wanted to make sure I didn't forget to do it this Hit time. It, what's up? So custom JP products, um, they, you know, they have all kinds, they have Beretta parts and, um, Browning parts, all, all kinds of different, different parts, but most of it is firing pins. You know, those, those, uh, screws that you always gnarl up when you're taking things apart. Um, a lot of shotgun stuff, but, um, what I liked about it was they gave an entire rebuild kit, which was very ambitious of me to think that I was going to really do that. I ended up just replacing the firing pins, but uh, they're made of a little bit better of a material. So they take care of that flaw in the Browning that we were talking about last time. So uh, I just wanted to give them a shout out JP customs. They were great. Uh, they in no way sponsored the show, um, but it was super easy to deal with them and shipping was quick and I had my Browning back together in less than a week. Cool. Did you at all? Did you have to utilize their uh, help at all in terms of like uh, installing, or did you have questions? Have to like deal with customer service, or it was pretty straightforward. So I'm, I've done it a few times, so I kind of felt comfortable doing it. I of course watched a YouTube video. I mean, sure. that's that's really the way to learn how to do these things. University of YouTube, baby. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that it's hard. I mean, if you're intimidated to take your firearm apart, you really probably should go to a professional, you know, gunsmith. Um, but you got to start somewhere, and this was easier than the first thing I started with. So <laughs> I okay. would think that this is probably pretty pretty entry level. Okay, sounds good. So uh, I'm really excited about our guest tonight um, because they are sort of in the media space, which is kind of where we would, I guess, consider ourselves. So it's really cool. But um, before we do that, uh, do you want to hear, do you want a little ego boost? Do you want to hear a comment and a I, review? I love comments. Yeah, yeah nice. Okay. It's, which is cool because people are actually starting to listen and actually leave comments, which I like. Um, so this is a five-star review from DJ Brian Kabalik. Easy and, name to read. I like it already. Yeah, it doesn't he, have numbers uh, in it. <laughs> He wrote, uh, so his, his headline was, uh, love your content, and it was nice and simple. He just said, it's refreshing to listen to content that I can relate to, and we fight the same fight here in California. So we're okay. bookending uh, the country here, East Coast, West Coast, both dealing with the same problems. And um, Brian, thank you so much for the for the review. Um, appreciate that so much. And anybody else out there listening, please put those reviews in there. It really does help us in Apple Podcasts and helps other people find the show. And it gives uh, Keith that much needed ego boost that he needs <laughs> once a week. So we uh, we do appreciate it. And um, 
One more last piece of business. I do want to mention that this show is sponsored by Resurgent Arms. And, uh, you know, they've been awesome to deal with in so many ways. Um, you know, Will was uh, on the show. He was a guest and he'll be back eventually. Definitely him and I have talked. He's going to come on again on a new project Keith and I are working on soon. But, um, yeah, you know, he's great. That's the first time I met him. I don't, how did you meet him? How did we really meet up with Will? You know what? It's kind of funny. I actually was a customer. I bought his grip and, uh, I thought it was one of the cooler looking New York compliant grips. So I bought it. And uh, I then bought the safety because the, the grip, the, the old safety didn't work, which I know you love the safety. <laughs> I can't talk enough. Every yeah. time that safety comes up, I yeah. talk about it. And uh, anyway, long story short, the safety, I couldn't put it together. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? And it turned out there was a missing part. And I called up to say, hey, there's a missing part. And who answers the phone but the owner of the company, which is cool. That's cool. And he was awesome. He was so great. He was like, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, I'll send that out to you. I think you offered me like a discount code or something. <laughs> like he was so, and I was like, hey, you wouldn't happen to want to be on a podcast, would you? And and the rest is history. So anyway, Resurgent Arms is sponsoring this show. And if you go to resurgentarms.com, use uh, gun, I'm uh, sorry, use, yes, gun experiment 12 to get 12% off anything you order. Okay. So uh, go check them out. They are a great company. So, Keith, you ready to get into this? Let's do it. All right. Our guest tonight has a degree in journalism, has penned thousands of articles relating to gun industry news, concealed carry, and women's topics. She's passionate about self-defense and sharing what works and what doesn't. Please welcome Jackie Billings to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How are you, Jackie? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. Thank yeah. you for coming on the show. Well, thank you I for having me. I hope we didn't take you from anything important. No, no, just work, you know. Okay, good. So I have to say, I, I am actually uh, honored to have you on. You are actually our first female guest. Oh, that that's awesome. Yeah. I'm happy to fulfill that role. Yeah, and I <laughs> and I have to say, so I, I know uh, one of the facts that I'm very well aware of is that uh, women are one of the fastest growing demographics in the firearms industry. Yep, we are. Yep, and uh, I have wanted to get more female representation on this show because uh, I think it's important. And I, uh, I, so I appreciate you, like you said, filling that role. Well, I appreciate, you know, you guys taking an interest and allowing me to come here and chat for a bit. I'm excited. Awesome. So let's get into this. So you started delving into guns uh, actually in college, I believe, which isn't the typical undergrad extracurricular <laughs> activity. Like I'm sure you didn't go to the like student center and say, hey, I want to sign up for shooting some guns. But uh, can you give us a little bit of more, more detail on how that happened and maybe where you went to college? Yeah. So I uh, actually split my time between two colleges. I started out at a Tennessee Tech University in my hometown in Cookville, Tennessee, and then later transferred to uh, Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville after I got married. And um, yeah, it's, it was definitely not uh, your typical, probably, story in terms of, of guns. I did grow up around guns, so it was something I was kind of already comfortable with, but I never shot or did anything uh, until I was in my 20s. And I just kind of had this moment where I realized um, I'm a little bit on the petite side. I'm about 5'2 and about 100 pounds. And I'm a young woman at that time in my 20s. And a lot of my classes were later in the evening and at night. And I started to realize that maybe I should take this whole you know, personal safety thing a, a little bit more seriously uh, than I am. And so I originally started uh, doing martial arts classes uh, just to kind of familiarize myself with kind of the, the self-defense landscape. And then uh, my instructor there was really big into guns. And um, 
So it was just kind of like a natural thing. Uh, and I ended up at a gun range, absolutely terrified out of my mind because it was the first time I had like ever been to a gun range. <laughs> and of course I go in, I've got like a little 22. Um, and the guy, the only other guy there was shooting a desert Eagle, which was you know, so scary. <laughs> right. I was like, this is what so was, loud. Yeah, yeah. The first time that thing went off when you were trying to shoot your 22, you were like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I had a serious moment of, am I, do I want to do this? Yeah. Like, am I, should yeah. I just leave? But I was like, no, you know, just give it a shot. Good for you. And so I stuck with it and I fired one mag and I was in love. I was just like, this is the coolest thing in the world. So um, funny. You say that you hear that a lot. And I, um, I have a I guess I would call her a young female protege. Um, I got the pleasure of meeting her and long story short, I said, would you like to try shooting? And she was like, I would. And I took her out and she shot and we had her shooting a 22 uh, offhand ringing steel at hundred yards, which is a goal Keith and I try every time I was we just bring someone. I mean, that's our MO for new shooters, yeah. Jack, is, yeah. um, you know, we, we are all about wanting to you know, give them that opportunity with a 22. It's like, I think the mm -hmm. best way to start. Yeah. And I just spoke to her recently and I was, she's away at college now. And I said, um, would you like to go shooting again when you come back in the summer? And she was like, I was just going to ask if we could do that because I want to become more comfortable so that it doesn't, I'm not scared and I'm more proficient with firearms. And I was like, cha-ching. I was like, yes, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, mission accomplished. So I, I, uh, think that's great that, you know, you got into that uh, in your college years, Jackie, I know, I know you said that, um, you grew up around firearms. Did, did, um, I think you said you, your father, uh, was where you grew up around them. Um, did he ever take you shooting or was this really the first time you ever shot a firearm? As far as I remember, this is the first time I'd ever shot a firearm. Um, you know, he was a big hunter. He can still carried. Um, so again, it was very normalized thing. It wasn't until like I started hanging out with other people at other people's houses that I realized not everybody was a gun owner. I just thought like everybody's house <laughs> yeah. had a gun. Especially in Tennessee, um, right? Like Tennessee, it's big in Tennessee, I think. It is. It's very big uh, in Tennessee. So um, yeah, it, it, it was something that was I was around, but and I would hang out with him while he cleaned his guns and things like that. But I was never interested. He offered, but I was just never interested in uh, going going to shoot at that point in my life. Did, do you think anyone did ever, anyone ever pass judgment on you as a, as a child, like for your growing up in a gun household in Tennessee, or was it just nah, they're just not a gun household? Uh, no, I don't think there was any any judgment. Um, you know, pretty much everybody here has guns, <laughs> yeah, I right. think. You know, like a 90% of the people here. And, you know, the first time I went over to somebody's house that didn't, I was just like, oh, that's that's strange. Why why yeah. don't you? And they were like, well, why do you? And I was like, I don't know. And they were like, I don't know. And that was kind of the end. <laughs> and of that was the end of it. <laughs> okay. So let's fast forward a little bit. And you somehow find your way to Pew Pew Tactical, which mm -hmm. seems like a perfect pairing for a journalism major who happens to like guns, right? So uh, take us down this journey. You, you graduate and is this your first job? Do you have other jobs in between? And how do you eventually make your way to Pew Pew Tactical? Yeah. So I actually started in the newspaper industry. Uh, my degree is in journalism, print journalism, in fact. And my whole goal in life was to be a, a newspaper reporter and a managing editor for a newspaper. That's what I was going to do. And then 2009, 2010 hit and the uh, economy collapsed at that point. <laughs> and a lot of newspapers were going under, they were cutting back. And um, it was, uh, it was impossible to find 
work. And so I uh, decided to jump into the digital media realm, uh, which was fairly new at that point. There were a few blogs, but, you know, a lot of publications didn't even have, you know, online you know, reputable places. And I wrote for just a bunch of places at that point, technology, publications, all sorts of things. Uh, Took a little bit of a break to have kids and then um, was kind of getting burnt out on writing about technology. Like the technology uh, landscape at that point was a very harsh place for women. It was very unforgiving. And I was getting really burnt out. And um, I, you know, was really big into guns. My ex-husband was a uh, NRA instructor and I had gone and gotten my NRA instructor certification so that I could help him and was writing blogs on the side for our website and happened to see that guns.com was hiring for uh, a reviewer. And I applied and was originally turned down. And then about six months later, they put another uh, ad out and I applied again and basically was like, give me a shot, like just give me a shot here. And um, luckily they did. And so I started out there just as a freelancer and managed to work my way up to a staff writing position, started freelancing for other places in the industry and just continued kind of climbing and working and and hustling and eventually got to an editor position there. And then uh, a couple months, well, I guess a few months ago, uh, Eric, who I'd met at an event, uh, who is the founder of PP Tactical, called me up and was like, we need a managing editor. Would you be interested? And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) That's cool. So I know uh, Keith has a question about one of your hobbies, but I actually have a question before he asks it. Um, Mm -hmm. have you, have you at all found that like being a female in the industry has sort of like hindered you in any way? Like you said, originally you applied and you didn't get it. Did you ever feel like this isn't going to happen or, or I'm going to be kind of like sidelined in some way because I'm a female or has the industry been pretty open to you as a female? I think initially, uh, when I got into, uh, guns and into the industry, there was some apprehension, um, because it is a male dominated industry and it definitely was, uh, about five or six years ago when I came into it. Um, there are struggles that I think, uh, women in this industry do face and, and I won't be shy about saying that there are people who, you know, firmly believe that women should not have a voice and should not have a place. But those people are very few and far between. And overwhelmingly, the industry has been very welcoming, is very kind and is very encouraging um, towards me. Uh, Sometimes I do have to prove myself a little bit more, especially, you know, if I'm going to shows or media events, you know, there's always one or two of people who are who want to quiz you on what you know and and you know you kind of have to prove that you're more than just a pretty face as they say but it's got to be but, fun to shut them I down was with that say, yeah i mean it's it shows your drive to be able to to make sure you can shut them down yeah yeah definitely and i've worked really hard to you know make sure that i am a professional in this industry and that you know i I study and I learn and I try to educate myself and I'm willing to admit when I don't know things and and I just try to be humble and I think you know, people resonate with that. Uh, so, um, I, I, I feel very blessed to be in this industry. I think it is, it has treated me really well and I, I'm happy with the people that are here. Do you, do you think, um, your passion for t- photography has helped you along the way? I do. Yeah. It's been a, a definite plus. Um, I think anytime you can be multifaceted as a uh, person in the media, it's helpful because you bring more to the table. And, and I know, especially now that I'm kind of on the other side and I'm hiring people as managing editor, you know, when someone says, Hey, I can take pictures and I can do, you know, multimedia, I can do video. 
that, you know, makes me even more interested. Um, and it kind of just gives you a leg up. Yeah. I've seen some of your pictures on Instagram and that's what made me want to talk a little bit about that. Cause it seems like you really enjoy that. Probably. Is it a pretty big part of your life outside of, outside of normal everyday work? Yeah, it definitely is. I, you know, my kids always joke that I always have a camera in my hand and <laughs> they're always just like, stop it. Um, but yeah, I love photography. I love creativity, just creative endeavors. Um, I like being able to flex that part of my brain. And there's something about photography that just really, you know, it hits me in a way. I like being able to showcase the world the way that I see it um, and express myself both in the way that I take the photos and in the editing process. So it's a lot of fun. I love it. That's great. Um, my next question, I, I'm going to kind of, I guess, nerd out a little bit about something that I do on my on my day job that I'm curious about. So part of your responsibilities at PewPoo is uh, search engine optimization stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, can you explain to the listeners a little bit about how big tech is fighting your efforts around that? Um, I, I think it's important for people to kind of understand how, you know, your articles have to be relate have to be based on certain terms to make it appear more regularly for people that are searching them. Right. So how do you get, are you getting censored in any way in any of that stuff? Uh, I don't think we get censored, but we have to be very smart in the way that we go about writing our articles. Um, A lot of times I think people have a misconception that as a writer, you sit down and, you know, like, it's like a ray of light comes down and you, you know, just write and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And sometimes I guess it is. Um, And then your editor comes in and completely tears it apart. And that's (laughs) my job. Um, And, and so there is a beautiful, you know, uh, creative component to writing, but you have to be intelligent about the way you do it in order for it to be seen because Google cares about keywords and Google cares about links that you include. And so um, that's kind of always present in my mind when I'm writing and when I'm editing someone else's stuff is, you know, I definitely, I, I want there to be creativity, but I got to, I got to make sure that people see what you have to say. Um, and I got to put keywords in. I, you know, a big portion of my time is spent researching keywords for each article. What are the things that are going to rank us on Google? What are the things that are going to get us you know, those top spots, who do I need to beat out to and get a, that top spot? It's a tough job. Like I said, I know enough to be dangerous about it. Uh, I had to l- educate myself on it a little bit, to be honest. I, I kind of was given the responsibility of not knowing a lot about it. And um, it, it's a lot of work. And I, I'm glad yes. you're kind of saying it the way you're saying, because it's, it's constantly changing. It's a moving target. It's never the same. And if you are not yep. on top of it, you're not competitive. I would say that- absolutely. I would say that the deplatforming is a bigger threat from big tech than something like SEO. Like I think SEO is more like the algorithm and the machines that are that just run things pick up on those words. But like deplatforming, where they where you know uh, a company's policies suddenly don't align with your mission, is where I think big tech is really dangerous. I'm not saying it, it couldn't affect SEO, yeah. but. I could be wrong. I'm ja- Jackie, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. I want Jackie to respond first, because, but I, I have a response too. I mean, I think deep platforming is everybody's fear. If you are in a gun media in any capacity, that is the biggest fear is that you're going to be silenced and you're not going to be able to reach those people. You know, we have a very large following on Facebook. We're, we're working on our Instagram as well to build that. And um, we have a big presence on YouTube as well. And so it, it, there's always that fear that, 
somebody is going to say, we don't like what you have to say and you don't have a right to say it. And we have to think about the things that we put out there. We have to think about the titles that we use and the language that we use so that, you know, if we do get stopped, we have a fight that we can take to somebody and and say, explain this to us. But it's, you know, it's always, I think, in the back of everybody's mind. Yeah. With Mike's comment about, you know, deplatforming maybe being more of the problem than SEO search optimization, um, you know, Jackie, correct me. I, maybe I'm putting you on your spot here a little bit, but I, I really think that that could be the next thing that starts getting focused on. I mean, you there could be a, a total censoring of certain words in in this industry, and uh, the the way that they're deplatforming people and the way they're canceling people on on Twitter and other and other ways. I think it could easily happen with SEO. I mean, Jackie, I, I'm asking for an opinion really from you. I think that's the part that I'm putting you on the spot. But do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a very real possibility. You know, Google changes things frequently and there's no explanation, there's no lead up. It's just one day this this works and the next day this doesn't work. And so I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to believe that one day certain keywords won't work anymore and that they will be related to the 2A community. Yeah. Well, that leads me into my next question. Um, you know, pe- people consume so much news just by reading headlines or looking at short video clips. Can you uh, give our listeners some best practices um, around uh, education for sourcing information, uh, you know, looking past fake information around the Second Amendment specifically, right? There's a lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are some tips that that we can help our listeners be better sources, sourcers of information? Is that the right word? Did I use that right? Oh. Yeah, sourcer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that works. And I'm glad you asked because this is one of my favorite topics ever. Oh, good. So. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Um, No. So anytime you're sourcing information and you're looking at a publication, um, one of the first things that I do pretty much in any landscape when I'm trying to determine if this is something that I should trust is I do a quick Google search or other people talking about this. Is this does does this seem like a thing? First of all, Uh, does this make sense? Um, You know, if you read an article that Big Bird mowed down, you know, 20 people, you're probably going to be like, that doesn't make sense. So you could discount that. Um, but if, if it's something that seems like it might be possible, then, you know, I turn to Google and I, I start to dig through what, what information is already out there. Um, and I think a lot of times where, where things get skewed is when it comes to data journalism, when data and stats get mentioned, people get real tripped up by numbers. And a lot of times journalists use them. They either miscommunicate it or they misuse it to make a point. Statistics are funny that way. They are. Um, So I always, the first thing I do if a study is mentioned or anything like that, I go find that study. You know, a lot of that information is available and you can find it online. Um, And so I go right there and I start looking at the numbers and I start looking at the context of, you know, what is the study? What is the point of this? Um, And you can start to see, is this study skewed in any way? You know, are the numbers skewed in any way? Um, and you can get it. You, you can go down as far the rabbit hole as you want on, sure. on sourcing. <laughs> yeah. But I think most of the time it really comes down to does this make sense? And then also not being afraid to challenge your own bias and challenge and understand your bias. You know, I'm naturally biased towards guns and yeah. I know that. So I approach every article I read on both sides. Um 
as neutrally as I can that, and try to set aside that bias, you know? Looking at both sides is definitely the probably the number one thing I recommend. But going to look at, at the source of you know, those studies, that's that's a great point. That's something that I don't do enough. Yeah, just to touch on that, the, the taking looking at both sides and we uh we had Rob Pincus on yeah right before you. He was our, our last guest. And one of the things uh he was saying was <clears throat> He loves to cook for his dates. He does love to cook for his dates, yes. <laughs> no, but he was he was saying uh, that, you know, I think we were talking about ghost guns or something. And he was like, yeah, I can admit, and I'm sort of paraphrasing, I can admit that someone could possibly make a ghost gun and go on a killing spree with it. But you have to admit that it's probably a lot more likely that they'll just go buy an illegal gun somewhere. <laughs> really? Like It's a lot easier to do that. Yeah. And so like, you know, when you kind of consider... It costs less too. Yeah. So it, it, it's okay to like say, like concede a point in a debate if you can follow it up with a better point, you know? And I think that's important yes. to be able to have that strategy of you don't always have to disagree with the other side. It's actually good to see their point of view. So I think what yeah. you're saying is great. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important, you know, you don't have to agree with the other side by any means, but I think it's important to understand where they're coming from. What is what is the root of the argument? Um, and a lot of times, you know, with with articles that are skewed against 2A and things like that, a lot of times it's just fear. People don't understand they, and they're scared. And when you can kind of understand that, then you, you've got a place to work with, you know, and you, you, you've got a direction to go. Um, it's it's a lot. It, it's easier to say, oh, well, I just don't like this person because they don't like guns. And, you know, they just want to take my guns away. I think it's a lot harder to look at it and say that's another human being who probably doesn't have a lot of education on this topic right. and probably has some fear. What can I do to make this more of a conversation rather than you know, just us arguing back and forth. And you you can use that when you're looking at news articles. It still applies. What is the slant of this publication? Why would they report negatively on guns? Oh, well, they probably don't have the education. And, you know, I can look at that and say, I don't agree with that, but I can at least understand it. Sure. Yeah, sure. So so let's get back to the, uh, the media side of this. So there's a lot of pro-gun media out there, but mm-hmm. Pew Pew Tactical puts out a ton of content. So if you're listening to this show right now and you've never heard of them or you've never been to their site, they put out a ton of content. Super soft shirts too. <laughs> yeah, keep yes. the shirts. Best in the industry. <laughs> um, I mean, we're talking about beginner's guides. We're talking about blogs. We're talking about videos. I mean, there's a ton of content. Um, what makes you guys different than other um, pro-gun media and... Um, you know, tell us a little bit about just about what you guys do. Yeah. So I think our approach is really, really unique and really sets us apart. So we like to say that we're, you know, your gun buddy. That's what we want to be. We want to be that trusted person that, you know, you can go to, we're not going to be judgmental. We're not going to talk down to you. We're going to give you the facts and we're going to help you out. And we really try to carry that across all of our content. So whether you're just starting out and you're like, I don't know how to zero my scope and I am afraid I'm going to get judged because I don't know how to do this. Like you don't have to worry about that at PB Tactical. We got an article on it. We're going to be very conversational and friendly and admit that, hey, we didn't know how to do that either when we first started. Um, And we carry that all the way through to our intermediate and advanced stuff. You know, you want to know how to protect your house from a home invasion. We got you covered. Like we'll, we'll give you tips that are realistic, that are practical, 
difficult that fit within all budgets because we understand that not everybody can, you know, afford the Mercedes. Sometimes the best you can do, you know, is a little Honda Civic and that's okay. Um, So we really try to approach everything with a friendly, casual atmosphere that's just really about educating people and presenting them with information that is either fun and entertaining or informational and educational. Yeah. And I have to say that I, I love your stuff because I heard an interview actually with Eric a while back. This is going back maybe a year ago. And one of the things he said is like, you know, like if you could look at your logo, it's like a little like laser gun. And, you know, he actually makes a joke, I think, on like one of his videos. Like, I know I'm exactly what you expect when you see, think of tactical. And he's like, you know, he's not exactly what you think of. Right. And and yeah. you guys are, are the opposite of that sort of like tactical, like go get them, like, you know, gear up. And the premise of our show, the gun experiment is exactly that. Like we don't claim to be that guy. We're trying to experiment with concepts and learn new things from really cool people. So I, I sort of feel like a little bit of like a kinship in terms of what you guys are doing. And I think it's really, really cool. So, you know, that brings me to uh, the opposite of cool and that's mainstream media. <laughs> uh, we yes. hear a lot about the mainstream media and what often feels like a major lean towards the anti-gun message. And I'm, that's me being polite. That's because we live in New York. Yeah, it's well, <laughs> I think it's everywhere, but that's me being polite when I say uh, a lean. I think it's more than a lean, but... Um, in your opinion, how can new media, quote unquote, new media, like Pew Pew Tactical and podcasters like us and anybody out there that's listening that's like, I want to get involved, I want to blog, I want to do video, I want to do X, Y, or Z, how can the new media like us help to counteract the mainstream media machine, and, I, and it is really a machine, and can we possibly make a difference? I mean, is that going to happen? Well, I'm an optimist, so I always think you can make a difference. I like um, it. And I think it really starts with, like I said, having, you know, having conversations. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being unapologetically 2A. I'm unapologetically 2A. I completely support gun rights for everyone. Um, but I, I don't try to be aggressive in that. And PB Tactical, we don't try to be aggressive in that. Um, we understand that everybody's at a different point journey or on different journeys in their lives. And they're all at different points. And you may be anti-gun today, but six months from now, something might change for you. And so I think as, as a media company, we try to keep that in mind and we try to be open-minded about that, that, you know, the anti, and I'm speaking for myself in this very moment, not necessarily for PP Tactical, but I don't consider, you know, anti-gunners, the, the, enemy in the sense that they are terrible people. I don't agree with their politics. I obviously don't agree with the way they go about things and the way that they paint us, but you know, they're human beings. And even the people working at those media corporations, they're human beings. And again, it comes down to, they probably have an, a fear. Uh, maybe they had a bad experience. Maybe they just don't have the education. And when you approach it with aggression, uh, it just reinforces their beliefs and what they think we are. But I think when you try to be open-minded and you, you're positive and you're like, Hey, okay. You know, like you do you, man, we're going to keep fighting the good fight over here and we're going to keep having these tough conversations and we're going to we're going to keep coming to the table um and you can choose not to listen to us but we're still going to be here and we're going to treat you like human beings i think that's how we evolve and i think that's how you fight that kind of thing is by confronting that narrative that we're all crazy rednecks you know clutching our guns and um flying the confederate flag because that's not 
That's not the case for every gun owner. That might be some gun owners, but that's not everybody. So I think anytime that we can represent the community as a whole, which is incredibly diverse, um, it, it's a great thing. I read um, uh, that you had have edited a couple children's books, one of them being um, 27 mm-hmm. Words, A Children's Guide to the Second Amendment. I'm always in this constant struggle with how much to inform my kids and, and how far to go with them. They're still very young. And can you talk a little bit, a little bit of advice um, about the ability to balance you know, teaching them to be passive versus disrespectful, you know, lack for a better word, because they're, they're certainly going to encounter, um, you know, two way adults that anti two way adults that are not going to be nice. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of struggle with, with, I want them to be able to stand up for themselves, but you know, they also need to be able to be passive. And I actually want to just piggyback on that really quick because tonight I tucked my son in. I was laying down in bed with him for a few minutes and he, he turns to me and I, he goes, Dad, what are you doing later? And I said, Keith and I are recording a podcast. He goes, can we talk about guns? <laughs> and I was like, sure, what do you want to know? And it was a cute little conversation. And then, and then um, I, in my mind, I said, one of these days he's going to come to me and say, Dad, you know guns are bad because someone's going to tell gonna him tell that. that. Yeah. And it's going to like, how do I how do I deal with that? So that's just a little like anecdote. I mean, I, and I think this book is great, Jackie. I hope you would agree with that. I mean, you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just oh, yeah. so what do you think, Jackie? What's your what's your advice here? Um, so it is a tough topic. I think anytime you, you deal with guns and parenting, it, it's tricky, right? Because we don't want to terrify our kids. Right. Um, and we, you know, for me, I don't want them to think that the world is an absolutely terrible place because Correct. it's not. But I am realistic and they have they have dealt with that because um, they're they're so sweet. They're little. Um, they're nine and seven. So they still think I'm really cool. And they still tell people like, oh, my mom is the managing editor at Pew Pew Tactical. Yeah. And people are like, what's that? Um, <laughs> so um, we've had a couple instances where, you know, they've said so and so says that guns are bad. Um, and I usually, you know, at that point, I'm like, OK, well, that's that's their right to think that. But, um, you know, what do you think? And, um, you know, we kind of have a conversation about it. And and I'm very emphatic that, you know, I'm not going to force anybody to be a gun owner. But these are the reasons why we own guns in this house. You know, it's for protection. It's for keeping you guys safe. Um, It's for recreation because they're fun. Uh, We we enjoy them in a safe way. Um, and you know, gun safety is a big thing in my house that, that we talk about often. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in the Eddie Eagle program and, you know, making sure that they understand what to do if they encounter a gun in the wild, um, and then what to do when we're out shooting at the range together. So I use that as an opportunity to talk a little bit about gun safety, but, you know, more than anything, I always end on it's our right. We are constitutionally guaranteed this. So, you know, your friends can like it or not like it, but we get this right. And it's a really cool thing we have because other people in other countries don't get this. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. They don't. And so like we are so fortunate and so blessed to be Americans and be granted this right and have forefathers that thought about this and realized how important it was. And I usually tie it into the First Amendment, too, because that's part of my job as well. And I'm like, you know, the Second Amendment protects the First Amendment. You know, it protects my ability to do my job and say the things that I want to say. Uh, in addition to protecting our homestead and, you know, all of those things. So, um, you know, I, I want them to understand the importance uh, that, that, you know, having the second amendment Thank has you. for us. That, that was really good advice. And I think what I, 
I want you to know I walked away from that is I probably need to do a better job at talking about all the amendments <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, you know, really what our rights are as Americans. You know, I think if you tie it back even to that, it makes the picture a little broader, I mean, bigger and, yeah. you know, would, would, would maybe help, help them be able to talk more intelligently about, about every, every part of the, our, the rights of, of Americans. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sometimes I think I overwhelm my kids with information because I'm a talker. Yeah. But, I do the same um, thing. but I like to I like for them to have the full picture because I think then that allows them to make up their own minds about it. And then they can actually, you know, argue the point to their friends. They can explain why guns aren't bad. It's not just, well, my mom says guns aren't bad. They can go into a pretty good conversation at nine years old about the Constitution, which I think is good pretty cool. Um, so on this kind of same topic, you know, children grow up to be adults. And Keith and I believe, really believe very firmly in trying to introduce new shooters to the um, 2A lifestyle and the shooting community whenever possible. Um, I mean, I want to say in the past year that we've done this show, it's we're going almost on a year with this show. And I mean, we've, between the two of us, either together or separate, I mean, it's got to be a, close to a dozen people, maybe, maybe between a half dozen and a dozen people that we've brought out shooting yeah. And, um, you know, we, uh, we had a couple of young guys out the other day, uh, cousins of my yep. wife and we were playing battleship, you know, we were shooting 22 and we were playing the, the I, game battleship. That was the first time I ever done that. And I was like, I cannot believe I have a, the game battleship and we're playing it with 22s. There's not much. <laughs> it was that. awesome. And you know, they, they left would have been pretty cool. Yeah. The, the one is admittedly somewhat socially liberal and, mm-hmm. um, from another country. From he's from England, yeah. actually, yeah, and um, but he just thinks guns are super cool, and I was like, I took it as an opportunity. Well, if you think they're super cool, you think they're even cooler when you shoot them, you know. And <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, that's a mission of ours, you know. Like we've even talked about, like you know, we need to start like an adopt a liberal program. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so you guys have something called it's your beginner's guide to guns, and mm-hmm. it seems like it would be a great resource for us to share with those people when we get them out there and, you know, after we debrief. Um, and it's a really in-depth, I actually was looking at it and I'm like, man, I'm like, this is amazing content. And um, I just wanted you to tell people a little bit more about it so that I, most people listening to the show probably are somewhat experienced, but if they're new or for them to use to introduce other new shooters. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great program. Um, Eric came up with it and it is just really in depth. It, it really is. It covers pretty much anything that, that you would want to know. And actually, even if you are currently a gun owner, it's a great refresher too. Like there are times I'm like, oh, I need to work on my grip and I'll pull it up. Um, so it, it's it's a really in-depth um, guide that kind of just starts from the basics. You know, it goes through the different kinds of firearms. Um, We explore, you know, grip and shooting stance and, you know, all of those things that add up to a, to a good shooting experience. And it's a way for people to kind of, I I like to think it's a way for people to prep before they actually go to the range. And I think it makes it a little less, you know, anxiety inducing because you, by the time you go to the range, you kind of have a a little bit of an idea at least on, um, what to expect and the things that, that you can, you know, apply to your shooting to actually hit the target. So um, there's videos, there's pictures. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get to some fun questions. What are, what are some of your favorite shooting activities? Oh, you know, I, I love, I obviously am at the range, maybe not quite as much as um, 
I normally would well, be. Well, there's an ammo shortage, Jackie. I don't know if you ammo, know that. Yeah, that little thing, you know. <laughs> um, under normal circumstances, though, I love, aside from just reviewing stuff, I love to just go to the range and, like, plank. Yep. Like, that is, like... That seems, I know that's so basic. No, I should probably J- say something cool. M- like Mike and I do that. Him. Mike and I do that all the time. I mean, yeah, we love 22s. Just, <laughs> we love 22s. It, yeah. Yes. 22s are so much fun. And it's just fun to go. And like, sometimes I work on technique and, and making sure that like. Never. You know, we play Battleship. <laughs> well, see, that's what I should be doing. You said that. I'm like, I need to start doing that because that sounds like way more fun than what I'm doing. How about um, any, have you done any competitions at all? No, that's something that is definitely on kind of my to-do list of things that I want to do. It just hasn't lined up uh, with my schedule with my kids right now. But um, it's something that I definitely want to get into because I think it's 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 it seems fun, but it also seems very practical too. Yeah, there are there are so many. Um, I Mike. Mike and I, we, we do a little competition in the neighborhood every year with a bunch of, uh, bunch of people in the neighborhood. We just, we go right around Christmas time and we do a 22 shoot. We all throw in some money and, and do some, uh, competitive shooting. And then there's tons of other opportunities. Yeah. Do. It was part of our outreach to actually try to get more people. And yeah. that's one of the things I mean, we've gotten quite a few people to buy their first gun from, from that, that competition. competition. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really like the highlight, I think, of, of the year for me. I have such a fun time. I mean, I, like it comes around to Turkey Day and I'm like, hey, Mike, we got to plan this competition. It's coming up. Who won this year, Keith? Uh, you did, Michael. Who did I beat? Uh, you beat me. <laughs> and uh, I, and I've come in. I, I have been a bridesmaid twice, Jackie. I just Aww. cannot be the bride. <laughs> That's a bummer. Yeah. He's actually a better 22 shooter than I am, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Anyway. I choked. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> choked. So um, I really want to get, we have a lot of fun in store on the episode, on this uh, show. We have a lot of things we want to do with you. So um, could you just kind of point out some of the best places for people to find you? Yeah. So obviously the best place, first place would be PP Tactical. I <laughs> publish articles constantly there. So um, if you want to check that out, that's great. Uh, for me personally, I am most active on Instagram. Uh, my username is Micro Jackie. That's M-I-C-R-O-J-A-C-K-I with no E um, because my parents had to be weird and leave the E <laughs> off my name. Um, but that's probably the best place to interact with me. Uh, so feel free to follow me, shoot me a message. Like I'm on there pretty frequently. Cool, cool. Yeah. And I put all the links to YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all your stuff. It's all in the show notes. So anybody looking to find them, just uh, go to the show notes and you can click away and, you know, and find them. But obviously you can go right to their website, which is a phenomenal resource and everybody should definitely check it out. So Jackie, I am super impressed with you because most guests come on here and I get to spring a little game we call running gun on them, but you (laughs) being the savvy lady that you are, listen to some episodes so you already have an advantage over every other guest. Keep in mind, this is a timed event, Jackie. Exactly. I don't know. I'm, I'm bad under pressure. Nah, you'll be fine. All right. So the, uh, the run is basically 10 questions. I will ask them. You give me the first thing that comes to your mind and do it as fast as you can. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Uh, Shadow Systems MR918. Okay. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Oh, a Gatling gun. <laughs> there you go. Why not? Yeah, exactly. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Edgar Allan Poe. Favorite caliber? Uh, nine mil. Favorite hobby not gun related? Photography. 
if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, flying, so I could reach the top shelf to get things. <laughs> <laughs> All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Uh, trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your significant other? Um, My dad. Okay. Awesome. Just always go Pre- with dad. Pretty quick there. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty I don't good. know if I should call bullshit on your favorite cali- caliber, though. You talked a lot about 22. I did, but I carry 9 mil, and okay. I, I, that's what I've carried for for a while. So I feel the most comfortable with it. But right. I do enjoy 22. It, Ju- it was a tough one. You said first thing that came to my mind. That was judge, the first one. Judge, judges agree. Yeah, that that's a tough one too because like they all have a different purpose, right? Yeah. So like my mine yeah. mine is a nine for pistols and it's a you know it's a five five six for rifle and twenty two for everything. It's just yeah. awesome, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, so let's get cooking to another topic. It's time for Top Gear. Let us test it before you invest it. So before we get into this whole thing, I want to just mention that this segment is sponsored by Flatline Fiber Co. And if you head on over to them, use TGE10 for 10% off. And of course, they are our soft goods guy, right? So uh, Chad is great. Um, you know, we've been using his slings uh, for a bit now. And I, Keith, I was never a sling guy. Were you? Were you a sl- no, I, I, you know, I, we always joked about being the people that just kind of threw it in the bag or threw it in the back of, of the yeah. truck or whatever and moved on. But now that I have it, I'm, uh, I'm disappointed I didn't have it. Yeah. It's, de- it's definitely kind of cool getting used to, to working with one and, you know, and obviously they're your pro wraps we always rave about, but yeah, they're, they're my favorite. I mean, yeah. you know, you just are always struggling with where am I going to put my, my ear protection when I'm done shooting and to be able to just, like I said, click it up, clip it on your low belt loop or anything like that. Exactly. So guys go check them out. Uh, Flatline Fiber Co. TGE 10 for 10% off. So on Top Gear today, we're going to review a couple of products. Uh, Keith and I are going to kind of review one together. And then Jackie, if you want, uh, I know you have something that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So we had on uh, Mantis X was a guest, right? We had the guys mm-hmm. from Mantis X and um, they were kind enough to send us the Blackbeard because the, the Blackbeard came up on the show. And I after the show, I said, I really want to try this thing out. And they were like, oh, we'll send you one. So full disclosure, they did send this to us, um, but we will be as objective as we always are. So let's start off with the price of the Blackbeard. Uh, the Blackbeard is a uh, AR-15 trigger resetting system, for those of you that don't know what it is. And <clears throat> it sells for $199 for the non-laser version, $219 for the red laser version, and $249 for the green laser or the infrared laser. So that's the pricing of it. We have the red laser. That's the one that we got to test out. We didn't have the no laser. Yes. Red laser. Exactly. (laughs) So a couple of, so let's, let's talk about the pros first. So the first pro is it does add a bit of realistic magazine weight to the firearm. So I'd agree with that. I, I actually weighed this out. I took my charging oh, handle. Oh, you even it. Yes. You. you didn't tell I, me you did this. I took my charging handle, the bolt, and a 30-round magazine with uh, 30 rounds in it that I borrowed from a uh, law from, enforcement friend of mine. not in New York State. No, no. I, it's, <laughs> we're in New York, but I have a friend who's a, a cop, and he was able to help me out. And uh, that came in at 29.4 ounces. The uh, bolt and mag, quote unquote mag, that goes into the um, uh, Blackbeard is 14.4 ounces. So basically it's about half the weight of a full setup. Yeah. 
Um, so it does, it's not exactly, but it, you know, it's pretty, it gives you a little bit of realistic weight. Do, do some extra reps with it and you'll be able to max out a, a full Mac. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it um, probably weighs the same as what we're allowed to carry in New York. Oh, I was gonna say for a 20 round or a 10, it's definitely, it's probably heavier actually. So the next part that I really liked about it was it's rechargeable. So it has a USB charger that it comes with and it even has a little charge indicator. You push a little button on the side and it has like a little four little LED lights and it tells you how, how well, uh, it, you know, how much it's charged. So basically there's no batteries to replace. It's never going to, you know, you just plug it in and it's ready to go. And I think that's really cool because, uh, it's just one less thing you have to worry about. Uh, third pro third thing I really like about it is it is a bright red color. So you have this bright red quote unquote charging handle. It doesn't actually work, but it's where the charging handle would be. And then it has a bright red magazine the magazine is actually the battery that powers the whole thing but why i like it is because you could do all kinds of drills with this and i would feel i personally would feel safe working this with um some kind of like you know some force um you know drills clearing a house with people in it because it screams safe it's you know it's got this big bright red plastic setup so i think that that's a really nice uh little feature that they did there the trigger reset works really well. Keith, would you agree? I mean, it's it doesn't really falter too much. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it gives you that full realistic recoil, but- it, Well, there's it, no recoil. There's yeah. no recoil in it, but- it, 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 certainly, it certainly resets pretty well, and it does the function of what it's trying to do and allows you to be able to to dry fire your, you know, your AR platform quickly. Without charging it. Without right? charging like, it. Yeah. yeah. And they, they say that you can get 10 um, trigger pulls per second- I think that's probably true. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, once in a while, I feel like I kind of like shortchange letting it reset, and that's on me more than it is on the system. Um, but if you let it fully reset, the trigger fully reset, yeah. it will give you 10 um, uh, trigger pulls per second. Uh, originally, we were on another podcast, and I was talking about this, and I was like, yeah, you know, I just there's a couple things I didn't like about <laughs> it. And then I realized that I'm just an idiot. And, yeah, user error. Yeah, it was user error. And... Uh, I didn't realize the full functionality of it. So it works great with laser targets. Just read the instructions and not do what we did and you will be fine. Exactly. <laughs> so it will work with non-proprietary laser targets, but they have something called Laser Academy. And to Keith's point, it's on a big postcard that I just tossed to the side. <laughs> it comes with a code. When you buy it, it well, comes I'm with a no code. Well, I'm no better. You left it with me for a week and I did the same exact thing. And I was like, man, what are we doing? Yeah, it's a guy thing. Jackie would have read the whole thing, I'm sure. And yeah. she would have figured it out in two seconds. <laughs> Such Probably a, not. I don't read instructions. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, their Laser Academy is really cool. So you can buy stuff from them, but or you can print out their targets. And they have everything from like hostage targets. They have competition targets. They think they have like a dartboard target, like all these cool things. And I actually had my son and my wife in the living room and we were doing it. Um, the only thing I would say is that it's not a negative, whatever. It just is what it is. It requires a little bit of extra equipment. You need a tripod to and a, and a phone mount so that you can aim your phone, the app, at the targets. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, I mean, I bought like a twenty dollar tripod from uh, you know like uh, Walmart. A place, yeah, Walmart or whatever. <laughs> so it's it wasn't a big deal. Um, one of the best functions I I really liked about this is it has realistic point of aim, point of impact. So basically, when you're shooting at really close distances, your point of aim and your point of impact do not match. Your um, point of impact is lower than your point of aim like it would be in real life. So it allows you to work on holdover practice, which in real life, you do you really want to spend a whole lot of ammo working on holdover practice? Most people probably not. So it would allow you to 
do that without spending a ton of money. And obviously right now, especially this dry fire thing is a big, big thing without ammo, uh, with ammo shortages. Uh, nice little thing. It comes in really nice packaging, has a nice little carrying case that I actually store my actual bolt and charging handle in. So I always know where it is, but it was just one of those nice, like it almost has like that when you buy an Apple phone, it has a nice packaging. It had that. And I very organized of you, Mike. Yeah. I, I really appreciate people who put time into things like that. It says attention to detail. Well, those guys, you know, when we talk to them, they put a lot of time and detail into, into what they put together. Oh yeah. They nerd out on it. They're, they're like big nerds admittedly. So, um, and then finally, I actually think one of the pros, I know that the system is, you know, a little over 200 bucks, but, um, you know, in the long run, it really is a price saving thing. It's it's a, it's a money saving thing because you're going to have this thing forever and the amount of dry firing you can do is really, really good. So I, I think that that's... It's worth the money if you commit to using it. Exactly. If you're going to buy it and just put it in a closet, don't buy it. But if you are like, I really want to use this thing, you'll get every penny out of that 219 bucks. So a couple of cons, Keith, the laser adjustment, what was our first problem? Well, we didn't read the instructions, so we weren't <laughs> able to adjust the laser and it looked really like it, it looked like an arc. And, uh, but anyway, once, once you figure that out, um, it, it was easy. And again, we're saying it as a con because we didn't read the instructions. Yeah. <laughs> if we had read the instructions, it probably wouldn't be a problem. The only thing I would say that is a true con is the adjustment's a little finicky. So what happens is, is if, if it's not adjusted just right, it actually bounces off the rifling of the barrel and it makes this kind of wonky little arc. But the adjusting, it, it wasn't like you just, oh, you just twisted and it just, just adjusted perfectly. It, it was, it wasn't, it was a, it wasn't, it was a, it wasn't a fine tune. Like, no, you, know. you kind of had to play with it a little bit and it's not perfect, but you definitely can get it right. And we did. Um, the battery charge, they claim that you can go a hundred thousand resets. I um, think we did that. See, I don't know. Like I, I had it, I had recharged it and when then you I left it with me. I literally used it every single night. Well, that's why it drains so fast <laughs> in my, my opinion. <laughs> uh, no, but I charged it the other day and like I was fairly charged and then I had left it in my gun cabinet for a while and when I pulled it out it was working but it was a little weaker and it was drained down yeah, on you're the... being picky it's fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, I I am being a little picky but I just thought the battery charge seemed to die in the safe a little quicker than maybe it should have must have been the safe it must have been the safe um, and then finally this is probably the biggest con I have is I love my Mantis X um, it gives me all great data it doesn't sync perfectly with Mantis X. It, once in a while it will, once in a while it won't. I agree it, with that. It's not perfect, but someone else had pointed out, another um, reviewer pointed out, you're not getting recoil out of it. It's a rifle. You're probably not going to get a whole lot of good information out of it anyway, so it's probably not the end of the world. And it sounded like when we talked to them about this product when it was first coming out that that is next generation. They want it to be able to do that, so eventually yeah. you'll get there. I, I would agree. So that is the Blackbeard, which by the way is one of the coolest names of a product ever. Love it. Um, from Mantis X. And I, I really like it. I think it's I a think good product. I think of rum every time that we say it. I just want to. <laughs> oh, why aren't we drinking rum tonight? That would Why didn't you say that earlier? Uh, that would have been perfect. perfect. I know. All right. So that is the Blackbeard. Jackie, what do you have for us? Uh, so I'm in the middle right now of reviewing and working on uh, a, a, an article on the Filster Enigma holster, which is a pretty cool little uh, device, obviously, from Filster. Um, it, it, it's a holster, but it's kind of like a chassis system. So it doesn't 
it doesn't require the use of a belt. Um, it kind of is its own belt in a way. Um, and I really like it, it came on my radar. I love Filster anyway, but it came on my radar because I was like, this is a great option for women in particular, because a lot of our clothing, of course, doesn't have belt loops. Or if it does have belt loops, the belt line isn't um, reinforced. And so you get a lot of sagging out of women's jeans and women's pants. And it can be really, really frustrating, uh, not to mention skirts and yoga pants and things like that. So uh, when it popped up, I was like, I got to test this out. So uh, it came in a couple months ago. And the really cool thing about this is it's pretty modular. Like you really have a lot of room to customize it to both your body and your setup, which is great. Now it is only AIWB right now. So if you don't appendix carry, uh, it probably isn't going to work or you might have to make some more modifications, but I appendix carry. So it, it works for me. Um, and I've got it right now set up to work with my dark star gear, uh, Orion holster for my Glock 19. And it, I'm pretty impressed so far. I ordered another part because the, um, the buckle that it has right now is I, I'm so petite that the buckle kind of doesn't work for my body and the um, strap can wrap around me twice. So I was <laughs> at the point where I was like, I'm going to have to cut the strap and like burn the edges. And then Phil Stir released a, um, a buckle that has a smaller strap for petite people. And I was like, okay, I'll just do that instead. So it's supposed to come in tomorrow and I'm like super excited to swap things around. Um, but it's an interesting little setup. I will say so far the con, one of the biggest cons that I see to it, or, and it may just be me because I don't follow instructions. I may be in the same boat, <laughs> um, is that it takes some, it takes some time to set up. Um, you kind of have to put it all together and build it out. And it, it, it's really, I mean, the plus side is the customization. You can really customize it to your body. But the downside to that is you got to figure out what you're looking for. And it takes a lot of adjustments to kind of get it where you want to. Um, I think if you're invested in concealed carrying every day, though, it's totally worth that time and that effort. Um, so I definitely see it as, as a perfect avenue for someone who is committed to the concealed carry lifestyle, does carry every day, um, and does carry uh, AIWB. But I want to put it through some extra tests, especially want to test out this new belt buckle and see if it uh, works works yeah, better, works better than the current setup. Yeah. Um, but I really, I really think it's 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 a really innovative product, and I think it's really going to push the industry, the holster industry forward. You know, it's going to make them have to think outside the box a little bit more. So Mike gets uh, excited about that. He loves holsters. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I have box, boxes of them. But I, uh, I actually saw this. I'm, I'm very jealous that you are testing this out because I saw it and uh, a, a while ago now, maybe uh, maybe a month ago, and um, I was like, that's really a cool system. It has like a thing goes around your leg key that keeps it from like riding up and stuff. Oh and, yeah, and, uh, and and it works. You said it works really with any holster that has like the claw adjustment, right? Anything that'll have that. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. And uh, well, maybe 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 you'll get one. Maybe <laughs> you gonna buy me an early birthday present? Is that what you're trying to say? Hey, you never know. Yeah, all right, all right. Um, Send some money for that, please, guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to catch them in stock. That's the thing. You got to uh, like religiously watch the website and then like hit buy really, really fast. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. I feel really bad. The boys, we have to we have to get another version of that now. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's not very woke, guys. It was no, it's not, not very woke. I'm gonna get canceled real soon. <laughs> 
All right, so tonight on Shooting the Shit, we are going to talk about documentaries and documentary recommendations. So when I was excited about this, yeah, when I was talking to Jackie, I said, "What else are you into?" And she said a couple things, and one of them was that you're into documentaries. And I said it to Keith, and he was like, "I like documentaries too." And I was like, "I do too." So let's talk about documentaries. So what I'm going to ask from you guys is to. Give me two documentaries that you would recommend to the listeners. I hate when you change the rules. I know. I did tell you this. No, you said one, but that's oh. okay. It's fine. I'm ready for two. I got four. It's fine. See? <laughs> Just trying to keep you on your toes, big man. So all I want you to do is give me two documentaries that you would recommend that you think are good documentaries for our listeners to to give a shot. doesn't have to be about guns. And then give us a synopsis about only one of them. So just give two suggestions, but we'll give a synopsis each about one. Can, yeah, can we not do two at the same time? Can we alternate? Because I need some time to prepare for that second one. Of course. One. And I was going to say ladies first anyway. Uh, so Even better, Jackie. By all means, please go first. Please save this big man. <laughs> save him. Save him. Okay. Uh, so my two recommendations are, um, and this is the, the PC version, Don't F With Cats. <laughs> it is a, uh, and this is, I'm just going to give you my synopsis because this is my synopsis one. Okay. Um, it's a true crime docuseries and it is a wild ride. Um, but it basically looks at the events surrounding a series of like animal cruelty acts by this like random dude on the internet uh, who later goes on to murder someone. And it's like a crowdsourced investigation. Basically, a bunch of random internet folks get together and track this guy down. Um, and it is just like, it is the wildest ride. So like it's, it's worth the watch. My second one is, um, tread. Okay. Definitely look that one up too. It's good. What is it called? Tread? Tread. And we'll, you know what? Just give me a, not a synopsis, but what's it about? The, the quick version. So do you remember that guy in Colorado who like reinforced a bulldozer and basically made a tank and mowed down half a town? Yes. 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 yes it's about him. And it is a fantastic documentary. Okay, okay. Okay. Very cool. All right. So I'll go next to give uh, Big Keith some more time here. So my two, uh, Jack, you mentioned earlier that you were into martial arts. Are you still into that? Um, I don't get to do it as much because the style that I did, uh, there's no place around here that that offers it. But I, I always like martial arts. I'm gotcha. always curious about it. So so I do uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um, I've mentioned it quite a few times on the show. So my two are actually both about uh, MMA and fighting and, and that world. So the first one is called The Hurt Business. Um, and basically, you know, that's real quick one is just that's uh, it's narrated by Kevin Costner. It's actually really high production value. And it's just follows different MMA stars and, you know, kind of their their journey and their battles and stuff. But the second one that I have as a recommendation is called Fighting in the Age of Loneliness. And it is a really well done documentary about mixed martial arts and fighting and the world of fighting. And it's a five part series. Um and each part has kind of a different part of the journey. So the, the first episode is about the origins of like fighting from back in like feudal Japan all the way up into like somewhat modern times. And then part two is like the 90s UFC, like the rise of like the brutality sport and like Hoist Gracie, you know, basically bringing BJJ into the, the forefront of, of the fighting world. And then part three is Japan's pride fighting championship and how Japan sort of kind of got their thing and talks a little bit about the U.S. and some of the things that were going on here at the same time. Uh, Episode four is uh, about the golden age of MMA, and it was basically in the wake of the U.S. recession. So right after the recession, like the UFC kind of blew up. 
Um, and then the fifth part is like we the were lo- hungry for fighting. Yeah, it, it, it kind of talks <laughs> about that. It does actually, you know. Uh, and then the fifth one is basically like the legitimacy of the sport, like turning it into a sport and a business and having really good. They had a hard time finding places to to hold it, right? It's yeah. I mean, it, even if you're not a fight, like you would like this. It's actually really, really interesting. So uh, it's very well done and uh, and very interesting. So anybody out there that's into that stuff at all or has any interest in learning, it's a really great series. Big man. All right. So my my all time favorite documentary is um is the documentary about uh, Dick Pernecki. He was uh, a gentleman who decided that he was going to move to Alaska and build his cabin by hand and totally live off grid for the rest of his life. And this is his um, point of view documentary. He just set up a tripod on an old school camera. This is, I I don't know the date, but I want to say it's like the seventies, if I'm not mistaken. What's the name of it? Um, The name of the, um oh crud hold on i'll find you the name of it let me keep talking about it before i before i uh before i go to the name can you look that up for me while i'm uh I can. Yes. while i'm while i'm uh while i'm talking here of course he uh so he he brought his tools with him and he which were just rudimentary hand tools and literally chopped down trees milled his own wood recycled his own nails um, anything he had to buy, he, he kind of planned out for it and he started early enough in the season where he was able to get himself some shelter for the winter. Um, and I believe he had to leave for that first year and then come back and finish up, but just amazing watching him literally talk about building and, and what he, how he was doing. This was really cool. Is it alone in the wilderness? That's it. Alone in the wilderness. Okay. And it's so fun. Like if you look it up to buy it, to purchase it, which I recommend you buying it to own because it, it's, it still goes through his family's estate. Like you have to order it and they send you like a DVD copy or something. Great. I don't think it's available. Yeah, It's digital. on dick <laughs> Yeah. His, and the cabin is still there. You can still go see it. It's, it's still in Alaska. I think it's been preserved by his estate. And, um, it's, it's just a really, really cool story and, uh, a great way to have a steak and, uh, you know, a beer on a Saturday and just, just watch this. And realize how lucky you are that you live in a, in a community and you're not, you're not out in the wilderness fighting for your life. Yeah. I mean, I think that's certainly <laughs> something that comes across. Honestly, it's, it's pretty inspirational. I, I would, you know, I, I certainly could not freaking hack that, but I, I would love to <laughs> think that I could at some point in my life, you know, it's, it's, it, it was really cool. I, I, again, pretty inspiring. Cool. Do you have a second one or you want to just I do. one? I have a second one. Um, uh, I'm not as prepared for it, but I have one. Uh, it's uh, Restrep- uh, Restrepo, it's called. And it was on Netflix. I think it might have been somewhere else before Netflix. But it's, um, it's, a, it's about the Afghanistan war. And it, it talks about a platoon that got um, jammed up in, in the middle of a firefight. And it just goes through the depiction of what these guys went through and in pretty, you know, I mean, no way could you ever imagine what it really feels like to be there. Right. I don't think anybody could really, really get through it, but they do a good job of putting it on film. And I would, I would definitely recommend, recommend that as my second. That's a good one. I've seen that one. And I I second that it is an extremely good documentary. Very cool. Thank you for Jackie's approval. Yeah, no, I I, I hope that we've uh, given our listeners some good suggestions. So, um, anyway, well, I really want to thank Jackie for coming in on the show and telling us all about PP Tactical and the great content they're putting out. Uh, 
the site's a wealth of information. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I, you know, I go to it quite a bit. Uh, it's a great tool for new and experienced shooters, like Jackie said, and uh, I definitely highly, highly recommend them. So to find out more about Pew Pew Tactical and all their incredible content, go to the show notes and obviously click away and uh, get all your, uh, your viewing pleasure out. So uh, to everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going. Jackie, thank you for being on the show. Keith, as always, thank you for taking the ride with me. Yes, sir. Have a good night. You too.